What a way to end 2023 for the San Francisco 49ers. Welcome in to the 49er Access Podcast. I'm back from my vacation to Disneyland in Southern California, and I got to celebrate the holidays even further today when the San Francisco 49ers clinched the number one seed in the NFC playoff picture after beating the Washington Commanders 27-10 to and then getting some help from the Arizona Cardinals of all places as they upset the Philadelphia Eagles at the link. Jonathan Gannon comes back to his previous employer and gets the dub, sending their NFC West rival to the number one seed, locking San Francisco down as the number one seed in the NFC playoff picture. What a great end to 2023 and a great beginning to 2024 San Francisco 49ers get the win and they get to also look forward to week 18 and sit back and you know puff a cigar and say hey it's a hat and t-shirt kind of day that game no longer matters the Rams are in the playoffs in San Francisco is already in the playoffs and getting the first round by with home field advantage they no longer have to travel anywhere they can stay home on the west coast if you want to put it in a nice kind of formal way they're at home against the rams in week 18 they get a bye week so at home again and their first playoff game will not be for three more weeks almost a month at home you get to get healthy finally get Eric Armstead back hopefully McCaffrey you got hurt in this game hopefully he can be 100% in three weeks get to maybe get Jair Brown back Jawan Jennings back and be near or as close to 100% as you can be going into your first eventual playoff game against whoever that might be there is a big toss-up. The Rams are riding hot. They've won five of their last six games. Seattle is somewhat competitive still. The Packers just knocked off the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. There are so many tough games left to be played. So many tough playoff matchups to be had in round number one. The Cowboys jumped over Philadelphia. There's just so much going on and so much can happen in what has already been One of the craziest NFL seasons in recent memory, which teams going up and down and left and right. So many quarterbacks have been hurt. Uh, This season is nearing its end, and San Francisco thankfully finds themselves still at the top, no longer needing Week 18 to settle anything. It's over. It's done with. The San Francisco 49ers are your number one seeded team in the NFC And uh, let's dive into what exactly happened on Sunday against the Washington Commanders because the previous couple days on Thursday, Dallas kind of almost fumbles that bag against the Lions. The Lions go for three consecutive two-point conversions. They don't get it. Offensive linemen don't check in, but they do check in. It's a whole, you know, kid and caboodle. The refs are playing this uh, who their favorite team is kind of game, and and look, it all benefits San Francisco. So they get help from the, the 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 Cowboys two nights ago on Thursday. We go into Sunday, 10 a.m. Uh, on the West Coast to Washington, and San Francisco simply just looks flat. 
They look flat as a thin piece of paper. Um, they come out first drive, marching downfield, heavy run scheme. Uh, this game, at least early in it, felt like Shanahan had kind of tightened the reins back up. Now, later in the game, the lanes got the reins got released again. Purdy obviously made a two amazing plays to Ayuk to kind of put this game on ice, but early in this one, it was a very run-heavy scheme. Vanilla, just pound the rock up the middle to your left, to your right. Let Chris McCaffrey lead this offense to victory, which was working on the first drive. On the first drive in this game for San Francisco, they go 12 plays, 55 yards, almost seven minutes. McCaffrey touches the ball seven times for 35 total yards. Purdy is four for five for 16 yards, and nearly has a touchdown pass to Kyle Juszczyk, who was falling down, almost he drops it in the end zone, and you're like, oh my goodness, what could have that been? Um, but they get in the red zone, and then they, they do a weird fake pass to Debo, and it's it's a whole issue. It seems he gets the one-handed catch, but loses five yards, because Burford misses a block, and then Purdy has to scramble out of bounds on third and 11, and it just creates this whole, you were keeping it so simple. You're keeping it just vanilla as can be, and you have uh, 10 plays in the bag, and you're marching downfield, and it's like, why, why are we doing this trick play stuff? Just run the ball. Washington traded away Chase Young. This was his revenge game. Traded away Montez Sweat. They cannot get any pass rush. They got Jonathan Allen. They got Deron Payne. That's all they got. You can run the football against these guys. That was the game plan. When it got in the red zone early... San Francisco gets away from that. They get three points. Didn't love how the game started for them, but then the defense gets a chance. This game, for a lot of people, including myself, was how do you bounce back from losing the way you did against the Ravens on Christmas night? Does the offense still look discombobulated? Is Purdy going to, you know, kind of crumble late in the season? I wasn't thinking that, but there's always those hints of concern when your quarterback throws four picks in a game. And for the defense, uh, the defense didn't play particularly well against the Ravens, albeit had a lot of short field situations. Guys are banged up. How are they going to respond with more injuries? In this one, Jair Brown didn't start in this one. He's hurt. Um, Eric Armstead still isn't back. So there were still some question marks as to how the Niners defense was going to respond. Then you think about the commanders and say, well, they have three missing offensive linemen. We should really have this in the bag early. And throughout this entire game, no matter how close the Commanders got, no matter how far away San Francisco uh, got in their score, whether it was 3-0, whether it was 20-10, it never really felt like the Commanders were in this game. It felt as if it was, you were just kind of waiting for the bow to break, for how to throw two picks, for Purdy to make some crazy plays, and those things eventually happened. But I, I do want to point out that... Early in this game, uh, the effort, the energy on both ends of the ball was lackadaisical. They looked tired. It looked like they went bar hopping and were on a bender the night before celebrating Christmas or celebrating the, the new year. It just looked like they were like, we have to play football. <laughs> um, like whether they got too much food in their stomachs, too much alcohol. It just felt like they drank too much. We're like, Oh, like, 
oh, I forgot we had a game this morning. Oh, my goodness. And you're watching the game saying, like, okay, like, number one seeded team, San Francisco, a four-win team, and the Commanders, like, this game shouldn't be too hard. I was expecting 33-17. to 17. Uh, Many fans were saying 300-plus passing yards for Purdy, and a lot of what I thought happened or was going to happen did actually happen, but it happened later in the game. But just early in this game, they felt so sluggish. They were missing tackles again. And there was a moment where I kind of sat back and was like, oops, like that Washington has something going. So San Francisco first strike gets a field goal, fail in the red zone. Not great, but it's three points. You'll take it. 10 o'clock game, East Coast, whatever. Defense comes out, gets a three and out. Lenore almost picks the ball off. He could have had almost three picks in this game. Ended up getting one later. Could have had one on the first drive. Could have had one on the last drive of the game for Washington. By digress, 3-0 San Francisco. They get the ball back, starting on their own 37-yard line, march all the way downfield. This is the big Debo drive, um, where Debo ends up with a touchdown pass, technically, uh, and ends the drive kind of this walking towards the end zone. Um, Purdy on this drive had a massive 17-yard throw. Uh, CMC picks up the blitz. Purdy stands tall in the pocket, finds Ayuk for a massive first down on third and nine. Um, and look, this like you're up 10-0. You're up 10-0. Through two drives, McCaffrey has 11 touches, 47 total yards. Purdy is like, what is he? What is he? Nine for? Or excuse me, Purdy is uh, Purdy is nine for 10 through two drives. He has one touchdown pass and over 60, 70 yards through the air. And you're like, man, like this is gonna be one of those days where it feels sluggish at first, but then they explode late. They score 30, they score 40 points. Kind of like, kind of how the Seattle game went at home a few weeks back. It felt like that kind of game early for San Francisco. Then all of a sudden, Washington starts to get the ground game going. Brian Robinson, the stats don't indicate the impact he had in this game. Uh, on the commander's second drive, it's Robinson 12-yard run. Robinson 22-yard screen, delay run to Robinson, shotgun run to Robinson, check down, Bosa gets a sack, which it didn't count as a sack, which was weird, they get a field goal, okay, it's 10-3, to no harm, no foul, my notes say Washington's O-line is so garbage, and it's okay, you got them 10-3, to go down, put them seven more points, make it 17-3, you can almost put this game to pass your early, then San Francisco goes, was it, four plays, 17 yards, two minutes. And you're like, man, like, on third and six, Purdy throws the out route to, to Ronnie Bell, which the defender home was, makes an amazing play on it, bats the ball down. You go back and watch the tape, McCaffrey's like, I'm the check down, throw it to me. And you're like, okay, like, Purdy's allowed to miss one throw here. But you really want to score on that drive. It's 10-3, to okay? The Commanders get the ball back on their own 18-yard line, and they march all the way down the field. Lenore gets beat for 42 yards by McLaurin. You just can't have Scary Terry on Lenore in the nickel running straight edge speed. It's just like Lenore cannot guard that. He's a good corner. He ain't the speediest guy. McLaurin has speed has size over him that is a, mitch, a, a mismatch 
made in hell for San Francisco. Hal finds him deep. Then it's Robinson run, Robinson run, Robinson run. Uh, and then Hal finds McLaurin in the end zone on Avery Thomas, which was good coverage, albeit he got beat. Now it's 10-10. And my notes say after a nine-play, 84-yard, five-minute drive where Sam Howell goes five for six, 64 yards, and scores a touchdown, and McLaurin goes three catches and 56 yards for his first touchdown and only one of the game, my notes in all caps say the defense looks exhausted. And I'm not sure if that is because of the Christmas Day loss the injuries they had, Logan Ryan's getting the start. There are, like, some guys get beat, all of a sudden your head starts to hang. I don't know what the cause for it was. But in the first half of this game, the energy was just non-existent. The tackling was hit or miss. The tackling issues have been a massive problem for this defense, dating back to the Philadelphia game, dating back to their three-game losing streak against the uh, the Browns and Vikings and Bengals, and it's crept back up the past month and a half or so, and it hasn't cost them in every game, albeit still a factor, but the last two, um, the Ravens one being a the massive, like, what-the-heck-just-happened-to-us kind of game, but this one against a team you're supposed to crush and annihilate, which, again, you win by 17 points, that's three scores, that's a good enough win for me. The spread was three and a half or 13 and a half. Like you did your job, but early in this game, it's 10 to 10. And it's like, okay, the defense looks sluggish. They're not tackling well. The offense is like, yeah, you know, there's no explosive plays. It's very much a run heavy scheme. Uh, the reins look tight and you're just like, what is going on? Like this, the, 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 the game plan didn't look like a Brock Purdy led offensive game plan. In fact, it looked like a Jimmy G, you know, we're going to run the football 40 times. You're going to do screen passes and dump offs and check downs. And you're going to find a handful of players over the middle. And this game is going to be 20 to 10. We're going to eat the win out and call it a night. It didn't feel like the previous, I don't know what, 15 games we had seen where it's like Purdy slinging that thing around. And I'm not someone who sits back and says, you know, Purdy has to throw, for, you know, 300 plus yards and five TDs for me to be happy. I don't care. A win's a win. But when you do those things over and over again, it's very noticeable when it's not happening. So I, I'm not sure if there was a conversation had of this is the game plan. Look, we're on the East Coast. This should be an easy game for us. Let's get in, get out. Nobody gets hurt and we'll call it a night. Uh, or if there was a much deeper conversation of, hey, our young quarterback who's in his year number two, uh, just played over one full season of starting, had his worst game ever. Let's protect him somewhat, get him kind of comfortable in the offense and the game plan early, then open things up late. Uh, I would like to think that was the idea behind Kyle Shanahan's game plan, because why else would you do that when the commanders are missing their entire edge rushing package, Young and Montez are gone. They don't have three starting secondary players. You can throw the ball deep and attack them through the air. They didn't do that. I don't know why it didn't make sense to me. I was like, attack, attack, attack. Put this game away early. The commanders cannot beat you in a shootout, but the game plan seemed to be on the ground, 
run the clock out, get in, get out, get the dub. And it worked for San Francisco, but when at halftime, San Francisco has the ball just before the, the halftime clock hit zero. Purdy finds Kittle for 18 yards, bang. He finds Ayuk for 12, or excuse me, 21, bang. And you're like, okay, like here we go. We're moving down the field. And they get into the red zone, and Shanahan runs to his right. Is never a good thing. They lose four yards. Purdy throws it away. Then Purdy overshoots Ayuk, and they have to settle for a field goal. And you're like, man, like it's 10 to 13 now, where this game could easily have been... You know, at a certain point, it could have been 21 to 3 or 21 to 10. And it's like, I get it. The commanders are bad. I get it. You should be able to crush them. They did beat them by 17 points. I'm not complaining about beating an NFL team by 17 points. But I'm sitting there saying, like, the red zone efficiency wasn't great in this one. Um, They got to the red zone three times and they didn't score on one of them, only put up six points on one of the other times they got there. And so it's like, man, like, we're missing out on putting the game away early. Then the second half starts. And, well, yes, the defense looked sluggish, looked tired, looked just like, it looked like how they were playing against the Bengals, just against the far worse team, where screen passes are getting through guys are missing tackles their lanes to run up, up the middle was just wide open for brian robinson antonio gibson got got going late in this one um it has felt like the Bengals game against a much worse team and that's a game san francisco could survive in which they did today but it's a game you just sit back and you're like Thank God we escaped. It's one of those where you sit back and just say, it's over with, whatever, got the dub, recalibrate, learn from it, and go on from there. I'm cool with that. But there's a lot of concern early in this game for me of like, not that we're going to lose, but it's like, if you play this way against the Rams, against the Cowboys, against the Eagles, who I get it, those teams may not scare you, that's fine. Playoffs are an entirely different animal you cannot carry this defensive effort into the playoffs i don't think they will but i didn't think they were gonna do so today after getting the lights kicked off of them on christmas night and they look like they had come off the bus from that game and it was like ooh, like the commanders aren't good, but we're giving them a chance. That's the one thing you can't do against the bad team. You cannot give them a chance to beat you. And it wasn't turnovers in this game for San Francisco. It certainly was not a poor Brock Purdy performance, but it was a, a a negative impact, a negative scoring efficiency in the red zone that kept the commanders in this game. Commanders get the ball out of the uh, out of the halftime, they punt, boom, San Francisco goes all the way downfield. It's the Elijah Mitchell show in the second half. 12 plays, 83 yards, almost seven and a half minutes off the clock. Mitchell goes for seven and 40 and one touchdown. And you're like, man, like, okay. Like, Elijah Mitchell having the best game he's ever had since, what, 2021? It's been, what, two years since he's looked that good? And you're like, if we can have this... If, if, if we can have Elijah Mitchell be 
this not bell cow but number two option behind Christian McCaffrey this is found money for us because he has done nothing all year long and if he's finally healthy more power to an offense that's already full of weapons give us another change of pace back you're just adding fuel to an already blazing fire now we later learned that McCaffrey had a calf strain now he called it minor Shanahan did say that if there was a game that meant something this next Sunday week 18 he may or may not be able to play that being said, thank you, Elijah Mitchell, in this one. Uh, you were great to relieve McCaffrey, keep him off the field. 17 carries, 80 yards, almost 5 yards a pop at 4.7 yards on average, and one touchdown. Elijah Mitchell in this one, dare I say, would be the player of the game for San Francisco. You relieved this team's, or one of this team's MVP caliber players. You made sure he was didn't have to go back in the game and risk re-injuring his calf or hurting it even further. Those are two massive wins for San Francisco right there. Elijah Mitchell, who I've talked about, maybe shouldn't be this team's RB2, deserves credit. You you get you were awesome today, Elijah. Good for you. Like if you're gonna be this good against a playoff team, by all means, please, like we can use you in the playoffs you will be a massive factor in a game where they can give cmc 20 touches we can give you five or seven and you get us a handful of first downs keep the drive alive relieve a cmc who has been in over 2,000 scrimmage yards this year probably gonna fall short of jerry rice's 23 touchdowns in a season record but 21 touchdowns this year for cmc anytime you can relieve some with, with, with that much of a, a workload two thumbs up my friend happy new year elijah mitchell uh, please we'll use that any day of the week san francisco goes up 17 or excuse me goes up 20 to 10 and then after that point everything falls apart for washington they're driving they're driving boom mooney ward interception he gets his fifth one of the season. Bosa brings the pressure. He hits Howe. Ball comes out right to Mooney Ward. Bing. Big pick six. Then, then we go to the most important drive of this game. And I'm sure it's the talk of the town. It is a drive that not only put this game away, but also set a franchise record for Brock Purdy. So, yes, San Francisco number one seed. Yes, San Francisco wins this game 27-10. This is the drive that put this game away. The score is 20-10. Still within arm's reach, only a two-score game at this point. All it takes is a field goal and a touchdown for the Commanders to get back and tie this game. Starting, I believe, on their own five-yard line. 15-yard run by Mitchell. Then Purdy finds Juszczyk for a nice gain. Run by Mitchell. Purdy finds Juszczyk again. Then Brock Purdy maybe throws his best pass of his career, if not the best, one of the best. And I put on Twitter or X prior to the game, I said, Brandon Ayuk is going to be the guy 
in this game for San Francisco. A bunch of young DBs on the field for Washington. Ayuk is going to cook, and I mean cook, those DBs he in fact did on this play. Ain't nothing special, just a go route, post route, up the seam near the right sideline. Purdy finds some space. Flings it over their first-round pick, Emmanuel Forbes' uh, arms, hands, maybe even touched his fingertips right into the the breadbasket of Brandon Ayuk. Just, ooh, ah, right there. And you're like, oh, my God. That was a dime. Or as Trent Williams would say, that was a dot. No, not D-O-T. It's D-A-H-T. That was a dot. By Brock Purdy, and I, I think everybody sat back and said, oh my goodness, if Mahomes did that, if Josh Allen did that, I mean, everyone's talking game manager, oh no, we're talking game changer in this one for San Francisco. And then you go later in the drive, and you're like, okay, like, the drive's kind of starting to stall here, Ronnie Bell gets called for holding, run by Mitchell, then Purdy has maybe his worst throw of the game, throws behind Debo. It's third and ten. You cannot settle for a field goal here. You have to score. Put this game away. Purdy hikes the ball, uh, spins off the guy, runs to his left, circles all the way back to his right, avoids the defender. Burford makes the block. Then he's pointing, pointing to Ayuk, saying, no, no, go the other way. I'm going to throw across my body, set my feet. I'm on the right-hand side. Look to my left. Finds Ayuk in the end zone, boom, bang, touchdown, and you're sitting back like, what the heck did I just watch? And the reason why I highlight the play, it was great in itself, and if it was a one-time thing, we'd go crazy for it, right? The difference is, this isn't a one-time thing. It feels like Brock Purdy does this, whether it's every game, every other game, like, we've seen similar plays to this Every single week. Or it's like, wow, like, what just transpired in front of my eyes? Like, did I, like, hold on, like, did I see that correctly as I washed my glasses off? Like, am I dreaming? Because that's Brett Favre level playmaking. Had Mahomes done that, if Josh Allen did that, if Lamar Jackson, who threw for five touchdowns, against the Dolphins did that, it would be the headline on ESPN, on SportsCenter, on Fox. It would lead shows all over the country. It would be on Bleacher Report and Overtime and, and it can be R and NBC Sports on everything, not just in this local market. What, like, I want you to appreciate what Brock Purdy did, what he's done this season. Because yes, later in this game, on actually on that exact drive, Brock Purdy breaks the San Francisco 49ers all-time single season passing yard record in 16 games, so no fluke, oh, it's 17-game season, he had the extra game, no, no, Brock Purdy passed Steve Young, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Jeff Garcia, 
probably the last great Niners quarterback of the 2000s. You had T.O., Rice Action in there. Uh, he was the team's all-time single-season franchise passing leader. Brock Purdy passed him by two yards overall. Now 4,280 passing yards this year. And I sat back and I said, hmm, imagine had he played the fourth quarter against Dallas. Imagine had Sam Darnold gotten no snaps in any of the games this year and Purdy actually finished games. That may be 4,300. Maybe it's 4,400. Like, had San Francisco not blown out so many teams, Brock Purdy's magical season could be even more impressive. Like, it's incredible what we've seen this year from a Mr. Irrelevant now-turned-MVP candidate. Like, I know what's, like... It's easy to sit back and be like, oh my goodness, Purdy's great, he's good, wow! Like, no. Like, as we end 2023... As we go into week 18, which he may or may not play in. As we go into the NFL playoffs as the number one seed. Like, just like sit back and realize that yes, there's been so many magical stories. Tom Brady, sixth round pick, pick 199, win seven Super Bowl championships. Whoa! Greatest quarterback of all time, right? Kurt Warner, bagging groceries at the Vons turned greatest show on turf Super Bowl winning quarterback like my goodness Brock Purdy's story albeit not even close to being finished albeit not even close to matching a Super Bowl MVP winning seasons like Warner and Brady had if this is just chapter one this is a truly truly special story like We've never seen something like, exactly like this before. Um, Purdy's stories equal to Brady in regards to your late round draft pick, surprises folks. He's leading a historical Niners offense, which is the best in the, what, past 30, 40 seasons. Like, just in this game, I get it, it's the Commanders, but just reflect on what we've seen from Brock Purdy. Oh, oh. This could be the end of him. He throws four picks against the Ravens, comes into this game, and does what Brock Purdy does. Goes from one of the least efficient games he's ever had, comes in, goes 22 for 28, 230 yards, almost nine yards, nearly eight yards per attempt at 8.2. Throws two touchdown passes, doesn't turn the ball over a single time, doesn't be sacked once, has an 88.2 QBR and a 124.7 rating. The talk of, oh, he's not going to bounce back. The talk of, oh, the, the Ravens got a game plan for him. I get it's the Commanders. I get that. The concern of, you know, how is Brock himself going to respond? The concern was just all talk. All, all mumbo-jumbo. All holiday, 32 million people watch Brock Purdy lose on prime time. No, oh, he's a stinker. He's a game manager. Cam Newton's going out there and talking this and that and the other. You know, Debo's out there talking a bunch of crap about Cam. Like, just watch the game, folks. Like, people that watch Niners-Ravens, we're not watching Niners-Commanders. I get it. It's a different game, different atmosphere. The command or the Ravens are a great team. All due respect to them. Uh, we'll see you again. And I guarantee it ain't going to be that close.
like it's going to be it's it's not going to be you know you marching away it's going to be a a grinded out Brock Purdy playing far better kind of game and look Brock Purdy does or did what Brock Purdy does like he he plays good clean game changing quarterback that's what he is like he, he's a game changer those two plays to put this team up 27 to 10 were game-changing, elite-level throws. Elite-level plays. And Shanahan, after the game, said that I was a little nervous. And I sat back and I asked myself, you know, on that play where Purdy goes, spins away from the defender, goes to his left, goes to right, is pointing to Ayuk, that play makes one of the smartest head coaches in the world nervous. Does it make you nervous? Does it make me nervous? Because when I see Purdy do that stuff, it's almost like I sit back and say, uh-oh, <laughs> something magical is about to happen. No longer am I like, oh my goodness, off-schedule play. It's like, off-schedule play? Heck freaking yeah. Like, some, like Purdy about to cook somebody's ankles. He about to break somebody's ankles. He going to break someone's heart. And I think, like, that's, like, Brock Purdy may not win the MVP, it doesn't mean his season wasn't better than Lamar Jackson's. Now, I'll explain that here. I think expectations mean a lot. Like, Lamar Jackson's supposed to win the MVP. Brock Purdy's not. What Brock Purdy's been able to do to play better than Mahomes for majority, if not all the seasons, or all this season, excuse me, to outplay Jordan Love from our first round pick, to outlast Trey Lance, who's done nothing in Dallas, to outplay Dak Prescott for a large portion of this year, to beat Dak in Philadelphia, or excuse me, beat the Eagles in Philadelphia at the link, to do all these historical things he's done, to become San Francisco's number one all-time single-season passing yard record leader, a franchise, an organization, that in my time of existence, 27 years, has had Steve Young, Hall of Fame quarterback, Jeff Garcia, pretty nice career, right? Jimmy G, a, albeit short, very successful career in San Francisco. Alex Smith, who wasn't that great prior to Jim Harbaugh, but had a nice short run here in San Francisco that actually was successful. Colin Kaepernick, a very short blimp on the radar, but an incredible talent. Those are all solid quarterbacks in my eyes. All of them, up to various degrees, had a lot of success. You have Steve Young, you have Garcia, and Smith and Kaepernick, who all did their thing for either a large, long period of time, or a short blimp that was incredible. Purdy has had, at least when it comes to passing yards, better seasons than all of them. And I haven't even mentioned Y.A. Tittle and Gerbeck and Brody and Joe frickin' Montana. And I get the game has changed since the 80s. It's a far more pass-heavy schemes. I so get that. Purdy has done what none of those players better all-time greats that have, whether it's stories in, Hall in, in, in Canton or are in the Ring of Honor, Purdy has 
beaten records, broken records of all of them this year. And he's probably not going to play week 18. He probably has a cumulative missed snaps because he's been on the sideline for fourth quarters of an extra game that could have been played to improve all of his stats this year. Like, uh, then that, that's only the Purdy side of things in this game. Like, Purdy was awesome. He wasn't a 300-yard passer. Could have been, probably. But... If the game plan was to get him comfortable again, give him an easy game plan against a really bad commander's defense, it worked. You win by 17 points, you get the job done, and he plays efficient football once again. There may have been one throw you said, oh, then the, narr- the very next play, he's like, hey, Iuke, come catch this touchdown pass from me. Um, Elijah Mitchell was great in this game. Uh, relieve CMC, 80 yards, 17 carries, one touchdown. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 7th 100-yard game this year. 7 catches, 114 yards, 16.3 yards per attempt, one touchdown. He was cooking fools left and right, having a great game. Uh, Kittle almost got his clock clean. Thankfully, he was not on the injury report after the game. Three catches, 29 yards, a modest game for Kittle. Debo, five catches, 37 yards, a one touchdown. Uh, again, this just kind of felt like a going through the motions game for San Francisco, but when you're this good, you can kind of do that. Uh, now it's just get healthy and go into the playoffs and let's have a fun time. I do want to discuss the offensive line because a lot of folks were concerned after the Ravens game, that how was this offensive line going to hold up? Uh, Williams almost didn't play in this one, but he battled it out. Looked fine. Um, didn't look like himself. You can tell he was hindered early in this one, but battled it out at an 80% to 70%. Trent Williams is better than 99% of left tackles in the entire league. Um, he was fine. Aaron Banks didn't play. It was, okay, how was that right side of Burford McKivitt's going to turn out? They, they were fine. Purdy didn't get sacked once. Now, against the pretty piss-poor defensive line, mind you, but if there was on the schedule a get-right game after getting your butt shoved in against the Ravens, this was the ultimate get-right game. Of course, there's still concerns there uh, for McKivitt's, for Burford, but now you give Williams and Banks time to get healthy. Then you can go into the playoffs with your best starting five being Williams, Banks, Brendo, Feliciano, and McKivitz, making your depth even better. And you have Moore back, you got Burford back. Um, you just improve that unit altogether, making it deeper. And hopefully with two weeks to prep for your opponent, um, they'll be back to playing at least... 15th best offensive line in the league kind of play again, which they were during their winning streak. Um, Other than that, I wasn't too concerned about them. They didn't do much. Um, On the defensive side of things... Oh, sorry. One more thing here. Hey, uh, Ronnie Bell, just stop playing. Kick returns. Punt returns. I just, like... There was a play where he was like, should I catch it? Should I not catch it? Goes to catch it. And it was like, no, I, I don't want to catch it. Get out of the way. I'd rather you call fair catch and just say, we're at the one-yard line. If you're not comfortable, move out the way. It's not that hard to go, you know what? 
just going to walk to the left. I'm going to move that way. I get it. You're young. You want to make a play. You're caught in between. I so understand it. With more reps, the better you'll get. You're on a team that really can't afford to give you those reps. You're just getting them because McLeod's hurt. Um, I will spend the next month praying for McLeod's health, saying, Lord, please, we need him back so bad. Ronnie Bell is not it on punt returns. He's not it. Um, maybe Danny Gray's an answer. I don't see that helping, but who knows? But just we need to have McLeod back because Danny Gray scares the pants off of me back there. Um, on defense, uh, they were fine. A lot of people were complaining about the pass rush being an issue. I counted two sacks. Maybe ESPN's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Farrell had one, but Farrell's sack was how running out of bounds with the ball. And then Bosa, who I thought got a sack in this one, the the, the broadcaster said, well, that's up a 10 and a half sacks for Bosa this year. So I don't know what happened there. I digress. Uh, a lot of people were saying, like, Young wasn't getting home and Bosa wasn't getting home and where's Hargrave and whatnot. Um, I looked at it more of how the pass rush was playing when the team lost three games in a row, which is concerning, right? Uh, the Commanders didn't have three of their starting offensive linemen, and by the box score, you only had one sack, which wasn't technically a sack. Now, I think the Commanders' game plan... Um, definitely limited what San Francisco's defensive line could do. Uh, a lot of screens, dump-offs, heavy run scheme for them. They, they were not going to let Sam Howell sling that thing around very much, which doesn't make sense for me because of what he can do with his arm. But I am not Eric Bien-Aimé, <laughs> Um, nor am I about to be fired Ron Rivera. Uh, just, I don't know, like... The defensive line in this one, I don't think was a massive concern. Uh, I think the pre like, this game feels like a low sack, high pressure kind of game, where tomorrow morning or this morning when you're listening to this or or, or watching it, it feels like they're gonna have like 25 pressures in one sack, where it's like wow, like they were in the backfield all day, whether it was a holding call or Sam Howell throwing the ball away or just whatever. It feels like that it's going to be a massive pressure day for the defensive line, but like no one gets home to get sacks. Um, also, a lot of holding calls that weren't called in this game. Gregory got held a bunch. There's a picture on Getty Images of Bosa being held down. And I'm like, how is it not called? Like, okay, whatever. It's 10 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, or on the West Coast, 1 p.m. on the East Coast. You don't want to call it whatever. I, I get it, like... The NFL is like, look, it's the commanders. They're going to fire their head coach, might fire their OC. You got to give them a break here or there. Like, Brissett was supposed to start at quarterback, and now it's how. <laughs> like, I get the NFL saying, like, just that, that had a rough season, lay off a little bit. But it, it just felt like from a lot of people's complaints that they were saying, where is Chase Young? Where is Hargrave? Where is Bosa? Uh, just don't like know how to nitpick that now like they were fine like they had six quarterback hits Farrell had three Young had one Bosa had two um they had 
four tackles for losses. They had four pass deflections. Like, they were getting to guys. They were missing a lot of tackles again. But, like, it wasn't like a game where the non-pressures, the non-sacks were hurting them. Commanders only scored 10 points. Mooney Ward gets a pick because Bosa gets pressure, forcing Hal to throw into a tight window. Lenore, on the very next drive, gets a pick as well. And Lenore could have had three picks in this game. Like, this very easily could have been a five-takeaway game for San Francisco. Um, and so, they didn't get sacks, whatever. Like, in three weeks, when games actually matter again, you're going to have Armstead back. My bigger concern, and this goes, you know, hand-in-hand with the Armstead conversation, is the run defense is a problem still. I don't know what it is about a Bosa, Kinlaw, Hargrave, Chase Young front, but the interior just, just is not getting it done against the run. You go to the box score, you see, okay, a Brian Robinson, almost five yards a pop. Antonio Gibson, almost five yards a pop. And you're like, man, like, we're letting relatively good running backs. I'm not going to knock them. Brian Robinson's having a great year for Washington. Gibson's been playing better as of late. But you can't give a, a bad offensive line five yards a pop on you. Like, rushing yards, albeit is a running back stat, really, really is a credit to the offensive line. Like, for as bad as maybe the pass blocking has been this year for San Francisco, uh, all those guys get credit for how great a season Chris McCaffrey's had. Like, they aren't perfect, but in CMC is just can do a lot of things himself, but they get a ton of credit. San Francisco allowed three backup offensive linemen to allow or force them to give up five yards nearly on the ground per attempt against, again, two guys that are fine on the ground. Like, I like both of those players, Gibson and Robinson, but... You have freaking Nick Bosa and Chase Young and Hargrave who you're paying big money to. Kinlaw, who's a first-round pick or a former first-round pick, who's had a fine season. Make a play, my guys. Like, imagine that was the Rams, like, hypothetically here. Let's imagine that Week 18 actually matters. And you're playing the Rams who, yes, San Francisco has their number. I would still pick San Francisco to win that game. Kyron Williams has been freaking awesome for them. He would have 200 yards on the ground against this non-tackling, not being able to run-stop defense currently. Like, if you want to point to a problem for San Francisco, they're almost all on defense. Like, you can't tackle right now, you can't stop the run, and against a better rushing offense, whether it's the Rams whether it's Dallas, whether it's Philadelphia, if you don't like those teams, if it's Detroit and Montgomery and Gibbs, oh, night-night, goodbye, see you later. Like, I know it's, they got the number one seed, they got the bye week. Like, this game, it's a get-right game to get back in the win column. Now you can rest your guys up. I get all that stuff, but like, they have a lot to address defensively, and, and getting Armstead back is going to be a massive help for that. Um, getting Jair Brown back is going to be a massive help for that. And just having a week off to recoup, we saw how important the bye week was for this team. 
You got you take a week off. Be with your family. Be at home. Sleep in your own bed, and just get away from the the grind, uh, being hit and tackled and broken and bruised every single day at practice and and during game days. You're gonna feel refreshed, ready to go. And then we also saw it when they had the Thanksgiving Day game or night game against Seattle. Then went to Philadelphia having 10 games or 10 days off in, in, in between those days or, or nine days off, whatever it was like. They looked like a far, far fresher team. And my hope is that just like those previous examples of having time off rejuvenating this team, especially on defense, uh, the hope is that that continues into the playoffs, because if that happens and this defense gets going, gets going again, excuse me. And the offense is still putting up 27 points a game, 30 points a game. Like, ain't nobody in the NFC going to be able to stop this team. Packers, nope. Saints, nope. Bucks, don't even think twice. Um, Philadelphia has lost four of the last five games against pretty bad teams. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys. You play them on the road, they're not the same team. Like, it really is a... Lions and Rams, you know, pick your poison. Which team do you, you know, line up against the best? Like, I don't want to play Detroit of all the teams. Now we'll dive into that in a few weeks if we have to play them. But that's a really good run defense. You do not want to make this team one-dimensional. I get it. You got CMC. And this is not the Lions game. Like, we might not even play them. But I don't want to play them. If it's the Rams, do you want to play the same team three times in a season? I know many teams don't want to do that. Um, I know Eric Crocker, uh, who's is great at what he does, mentioned that the Rams feel like the 2021 Niners, where starting off slow, catch fire late, beat who was us, the Rams, now then beating us, the Niners, uh, to to rise up the ranks in the play in the playoff standings and then play us again in the NFC Championship game. But the roles were reversed, and we and we beat them this time. Um, it's a good theory, <laughs> Eric. It's a really good theory, um, and I would not be surprised if that happens again. But like, I don't want to play the Lions. Like, you give me Philadelphia, Dallas. You give me the Saints, the Bucks, Seahawks all day. You give me all day. But it just feels like that it's San Francisco, everybody else, then everybody else, like. I'm only scared of the Ravens and the Browns because of that defense and, uh, you know, no Fs given Joe Flacco. Like, the Bills don't really scare me too much, albeit playing better recently. The Dolphins are banged up. Like, are they going to get healthy? They could lose a division next Sunday. Like, it really is San Francisco and Baltimore where it's like, man, like, those are the teams. And Baltimore really hasn't had the postseason success you would expect from an MVP winner and now maybe two-time winner in Lamar Jackson. Like, anything could happen. Now, the Ravens are a really good team this year, but who knows? Like, you just kind of sit back and are like, this NFL playoff is an entire crapshoot where San Francisco should be able to get by the NFC pretty easily. Then the AFC is like, hey, it's any given Sunday out there, boys. <laughs> like, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston beats the Colts next Sunday. They get in, and they can beat a number one two seed, 
three seed, whoever it is they're playing, you're just like, man, like Jacksonville isn't that good anymore. It's just a whole bunch of who knows what the heck's going to happen. But I'll tell you this, um, San Francisco essentially has two weeks off. Now against the Rams next Sunday, 125 start, mind you, on the West Coast in Santa Clara. Um, I hope we don't see Brock Purdy. I want to see Red Rifle Jr., Sam Donald out there, tossing that rock around to Ronnie Bell and Danny Gray and Chris Conley. And I want to see Sam not seeing any more ghost Darnold Light the mother, you know what, Rams up at Levi Stadium. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> that would be freaking awesome and a great way to start the new year. But look, it's December 31st, 2023, 9.30 p.m. To some of you, it's already 2024. To myself, I got one more nappy time until it hits midnight and 12 a.m., on January 1st, 2024. I want to thank you for a wonderful... Wow, words are hard. I want to thank you for a wonderful... Oh, I did it again! <laughs> I'm going to go get grammar lessons and a freaking speech therapy in 2024. My goodness! <laughs> I want to thank you for a wonderful 2023 year of the podcast. What a great year for Niners coverage. Going to training camp this past year, going to OTAs, the Trey Lance saga, the Brock Purdy Army saga. It's all behind us, folks. The playoffs are in sight. The number one seed in the NFC has been clinched. What a great year for the San Francisco 49ers. It ain't done yet. We got one more task left, and that's winning our sixth Lombardi trophy in the first since the 19th. 1995 season 94 95 season it's been too long i haven't seen one yet in my lifetime i want to get that one that i can rest happy forever please that being said a thank you for a magical wonderful illustrious 2023 uh, year to my life i'm 27 years old now i'm getting married next year oh my god my fiance is up my butt about where we're going to live, where I'm going to work. Uh, going to be a very interesting 2024. I want you to stick with me through it all. We have a handful of weeks left. We are living on a prayer because the San Francisco 49ers are going to the playoffs. They've won the NFC West and are the number one seed with home field advantage in the 2024 NFL playoffs. Boy, is that sound like a perfect way to end 2023 and Brock Purdy is now the all-time franchise leader for single season passing yards what a great way to end 2023 and a great way to begin 2024 again big thank you from me to you if you could like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Uh, it means everything to me. It's a free way to help the show out. And as a courtesy of doing so, I want to uh, give you a discount to buy Niner tickets. Whether it's playoff tickets, you want to go to the playoffs, you get a discount, you might as well use it, folks. It's money for free. $20 off your first purchase at SeatGeek.com. Your first purchase. $20 off SeatGeek.com using our promo code 49ersaccess49 
ERS ACCESS pointing to it right now on YouTube. Use that promo code and save yourself some money. Maybe it can pay for parking. Maybe it can just give you some money back in your wallet to buy a $20 beer at Levi Stadium. Whatever you want to do, $20 off your first purchase. You can also follow us down on social media. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter slash X. 49ers.access is the Instagram. Look, we're talking Niners 24-7. Roster updates. My opinion. My hot takes. What could happen? It's a fun time on all those platforms discussing Niners 24-7. Again, please leave a like, share, subscribe, leave that review on YouTube, on the audio versions of the podcast. Give us five stars. Put whatever you want down below in the comments. If you have a New Year's resolution, you can put that in the review. I do not care. Maybe it's listen to more Niner podcasts. That's great. Make sure ours is number one. Until next time, San Francisco gets the win 27 to 10 over the Washington Commanders, kicking us off into the 2024 year. I'm almost 30 at a midlife crisis. Oh my God. Until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Don't get too drunk tonight, okay? I'm watching you. Don't, don't get too drunk, okay? Okay. Have a good new year. Have a wonderful January 1st, 2024. And until next time, stay faithful.